really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big, big trust. Big, big trust. trust. Big trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me We are back on the Jumbo Set Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 21st, dropping this thing a little bit early as you're listening to this. My name is Jake Luke. I'm joined on my screen, as always, by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. Looking real good in his new uh, new little studio setup he's got there with his, uh, his little sign up there. It's my first time seeing this. You're telling me for the first time. I'm really enjoying it. How are we doing, pal? Doing well. It was a nice, relaxing Sunday. Ravens playing on Thursday, obviously. And I don't know. I feel like I don't even know you anymore. I don't know why. I feel like it's. I feel like you've been gone for like eons. I I don't know why. Yeah, it feels no, like it, a long time. It ha- it does feel that way. It feels. Uh, I feel a little alien sitting in the seat. I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, man. It was a uh, week long work trip down to uh, Mexico, San Luis Potosi. Uh, great time, really good time. But uh, it was. <laughs> It may be a little overscheduled from the work point of view. It was, uh, you know, it, meetings, team building, and then right to the activity, then dinner every single night. A lot of, a lot of drinking was involved, and, you know, it was, it was a great time. I, I wouldn't trade it, but uh, difficulty getting back. Canceled flight on Friday. Had to stay an extra night. That was a little, uh, a little on the scary side when you're in a, uh, a foreign country. Let's just put it that way. Um, but, yeah, no, we got back on Saturday night. Rested up then, and then uh, you mentioned it, stress-free Sunday with uh, watch a little Red Zone, get some stuff done around the house, uh, do a little shopping, uh, get some Christmas shopping out of the way, and uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's good. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling reinvigorated. I was expecting to feel kind of wiped after all this, but no, it's uh, I, I feel a certain zest for life right now. Good. I'm glad to hear. What was the best thing you ate, best thing you drank while you were down there? Best thing I ate? I mean, I, the tacos is a cliche answer, but they... God, what did just, you like about the tacos? Though? They just what, do. They what, just what? do. I mean, the the way they prepare the meat. Like this is like, and obviously, like anyone listening probably knows this, but it's not just a you know, ground beef off of the uh, off of the freezer aisle at uh, whatever grocery store, and then a bunch of hard shells. It's you know, prepared right in front of you on the uh, the the grill there, and they kind of like do the meat a little bit differently, and then they the condiments are a little bit different. And they're just they're a lot better, obviously, very fresh, all kind of prepped right there. All that was very good. There was just a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. Uh, the bone marrow on the dinner at my last night, where you kind of scrape it off the bone onto a little little tortilla, was great. And then drink of choice actually came on the last night at uh, some of my my Mexican coworkers introduced me to something called the cantarito, which uh, comes out of this little like uh, pottery situation, little one of those types of cups. Uh, very interesting. It's like a, they throw some tequila in there, some limes, a couple different, uh, a couple different fruits of some kind. And then they do the, uh, the salted rim, but they also throw some chili powder on there too. Uh, one of the more interesting drinks I've had, I was absolutely addicted to them. I probably had like four or five and this was, uh, while the Ravens were playing the Bengals. So let's just say I was in a good mood cause I, uh, checked my phone, uh, here and there and, uh, I noticed that they were running away with it. So yeah, it was a, it was a good, good trip overall. And man, it was, uh, it was an experience, though. Like I said, I was kind of wiped on Saturday night, but feeling feeling refreshed and ready to get back after it. How's it been going around here in, in these parts? How are the other clowns doing? They're doing all right. They're doing okay. Brian had his whole episode from a couple weeks ago when he went to the Bud Light touchdown tent, <laughs> and then we were able to have that tailgate with Jack Settleman, did the snapback sports tailgate. He brought like a whole squad of TikTokers that were doing – apparently have a huge – 
page doing football trivia at tailgates around the country as well. And they asked me the hardest question possible. Jack told them to get me on to do their TikTok. And I went with one of our listeners who came in uh, that, I've, that I've met up with a couple times now. And they asked, I was, I was walking over. I was like, oh, what are you guys going to give me? Like Super Bowl MVP wide receivers? They were like, no, but that's a good one because I have been asked that at a trivia before. That's a fun one. So they asked me, what are the top six duos non-quarterback, so running back and or wide receiver and or tight end duos in full point PPR over the last 10 years. And some of the ones that I immediately started out with, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, no. That was the obvious one I would, I would have thought. Wasn't on there. There were so many that I couldn't think of. Um, I, I ended up getting through like four of them. Eventually, they started like whispering. Like the guy was started trying to whisper like, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. It's like, what? I don't know. He was trying to whisper DeMarco Murray, basically. It was like, I, I don't know. Who, him and, him and Dez, I guess? It was him and Dez. Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas was one of them. Um, there were quite a few interesting pairs on there. Gron- and Gronk and Shane Josh, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams was one of them, uh, which is like, you just, don't, you just don't think of that. You don't think, oh, last 10 years. Uh, Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore weren't one of them. It was, it was a... Quite a quite a labor intensive uh, dig there. It took us five and a half minutes, I think, to finish the list. And from what I gather, they only post people who get them all right. So I don't think I'll be on there. But that was a tough one, and that got the juices flowing. But other than that, it was a really fun time. Jack had a ton of booze, ton of burgers, and got to meet a bunch of listeners who are, I guess, listening to this. So it was a super nice time. Shout out to everybody who came. And Jack threw a, a real nice shindig. It was a real easygoing time. Everybody had a nice time. It seemed. And got to interact with a ton of people, Gowie, Engraven, uh, Ramey, all those all those guys were there. Brian and Taylor. Yeah, I think you mean Paul Wall, by the way. Ramey, who I have not seen much. I've I've seen him here and there throughout the. He doesn't show his face a ton. Um, for I'm sure he has his reasons for that. It's fine, but I I saw that picture. That is that is Paul Wall in his early 20s, if I've ever seen it. Paulith Walleth. Yeah. The people's champ light up like a lamp because now I'm back with the camp. So yeah, it was a really good time. Went into the bank and. It was electric. I mean, primetime home game. Lamar told everybody to be in their seats at 745. The offense came out, and it was pretty relentless. I have a video on my phone. It was – I think I tweeted it. I can't recall. But it was like God testing me. It was my row, my section. I'm not joking. Like almost every single person in the entire stadium was standing up except for the rows in front of me. Mm. It was almost cinematic considering what I've talked about this year. And then uh, my own mother, who's probably listening to this at some point, was like, "Sit down in front." I was like, "No, stop." Yeah, that's got to stand up. For she's got to. She's got to be better than that. She's got to know know what's going on. And she doesn't come to the games to stand. I said, "Mom, stop it. You stop that." Uh, so I was like, "All right." But then the bank was electric. It was relentless. Uh, the franchise was texting me that Joe Burrow on TV looked like his eyes were as wide as saucers. She said he looked scared, and She's that been getting she's I mean, been getting into the, the takes and the analysis game a little bit more lately. I'm liking that a lot. And I know she's listening to me right now, so let's keep that going. She just gave the the rock and roll dog, the wolf, the quiet the yeah. Um, so that was all good and dandy. And then the Ravens open the game up, score a touchdown. The Bengals drive a little bit, kick a field goal, got aided by some penalties. There was, it was a real ref show at certain points of that game. And Ravens just didn't relent and 
kept making plays, kept making plays, kept rattling Joe Burrow. And I do think ultimately it doesn't matter. We can play captain hindsight. The Ravens have had to play a lot of games with their backup quarterback. I do think it would have been a closer game yeah, definitely. with Joe Burrow. And I think it probably would have been something along the lines of like a 27, 23 Ravens win, something like that. 30, 30, 24, somewhere in that department. Uh, real ref show though, for sure. And big boy came on, which was a lot of fun. Big boy started with, I think, I think newer music, the first like two songs. And I was like, I'm going to go get a beer if this is how this is going to go. And then so fresh and so clean came on and it started bumping Miss Jackson, a bunch of stuff. So that ended up being pretty fun. And obviously Joe Burrow gets hurt there, which kind of no one in the stadium realized, I feel like for a little while. I'm sure on TV, everybody was freaking out, but I started getting a bunch of texts like, oh my God, Burrow's hurt. And I didn't even really realize um, till till Browning came in the game and Burrow, clearly that whole situation going on, Dave Portnoy with a better call Saul little video of him saying he's going to file a class action lawsuit against the Bengals and the NFL for not disclosing Joe Burrow's injury. Which by the way, uh, I'm going to rewatch that. that play. Clown, I mean, Clowney smacked him and that wrist hit the ground. My mom, my mom actually broke her wrist once when she got bucked from a horse and she like put it down. That was the first thing I thought of to like brace herself. And, and Bur you saw it was like that exact thing. The worst thing you can do, Joey, you got to let your helmet, you got to let your head. Hit. He's got, he's got to go to uh he's got to go to falling school with Tua in the off season. Learn how the, to fall. the throwing hand can never bend back on the ground like that, Joey. And I think he had the choice of doing that. I think he did that. Like, I think he could have gotten away with not. Um, and to his credit, throws a touchdown after that still. And then winces, comes off the field. And then from there, I mean, hey, Jake Browning made a couple plays, but Raven just kind of controlled that thing. Zay Flowers screen touchdown that got called back into a Nelson Aguilar tipped ball race to the house was pure cinema of ball don't lie. And that was a lot of fun. And, and shout out to uh, Jerome Simpson. He flipped into the end zone. Take that, Bengals yep. fans. Yep, that was, that was pretty sweet. And... Keaton Mitchell, I thought, looked pretty nice in this game. Gus Edwards racks up a couple touchdowns. And again, just kind of when you look back, like Lamar Jackson played a really nice game. I posted on the Exit 52 Instagram and TikTok and Twitter the throw that he made to Zay Flowers that was sneakily almost a touchdown that was an unbelievable throw. But Lamar kind of throttled the Bengals again and just doesn't have these big box score days that thrust him into the MVP. And it's like Gus Edwards has the third most rushing touchdowns in a single season in franchise history. Have any of those been long? No, he's. It's been a total. Uh, he's he's been the he's been I, the. I think they've all been season. inside like the ten. Yeah, I don't think he's had. I don't even know if he's had one longer than ten yards. And what what have we asked for? I mean, you get down to the goal line, use the guy. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. He's, he's a fucking that was one of my biggest him. gripes of of the Roman. I, I broke down all the stats. We we hated that. We always hated that. It doesn't have to be that hard. Gus Bus is a great short yardage back. So four away from Jamal Lewis's single season record. And a lot of runway in front of him here to go and get it. I mean, the way at this rate, I mean, he's scoring hat tricks like every other week. I feel like so. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't shock me. And uh, I don't know. I it, it's certainly uh, drawing the ire of some of the more uh, Lamar vociferous people on Twitter, which I love. They you know they want that stat padding for the MVP campaign. I totally get it. But uh, you know, Gus has been through a lot of shit the last couple of years. Let's get the guy his flowers too. Come on. Yeah, we've wanted this Gussie breakout year for a long time. Long time. He's he's had his injury. Last year just wasn't quite right and just wasn't getting the usage. So got to give Munkin credit in that department as well. Like having a better run game in the goal to go area, being able to go turn those into touchdowns. They've gotten the damn thing rolling and it feels like Munkin has his little version of his uh, Kenny McIntosh and 
some of the backs he's had at Georgia with Keaton Mitchell now to have the the big and the small. And Keaton Mitchell, going back through it, hitting some really nice tiny little gaps and picking the right gaps and squeezing his smaller frame through. And that's a freaking dynamic one-two punch. So you see Keaton Mitchell starting to get lined up outside in the slot. I think he had 10 snaps in the pass game and nine of them were routes. So they want to throw him the football. From what I recall, should be a pretty soft-handed guy during his time at ECU. I don't know how much we saw of him catching the ball in the preseason or anything, but someone that's going to factor into the pass game. Obviously, the Mark Andrews injury, the Logan Wilson, the hip drop, all major What's your, what is, what's your take? I was just on with Kevin for anyone uh, listening to this now. You can listen to me on Locked on Ravens. On Well, no, that doesn't come out till tomorrow, actually. But uh, what's your thoughts on that? I'm kind of like, why, why do we have to litigate this? You know. So my original thoughts were that, you know, I, I just don't want more legislation of tackling. Guys can't go high. Guys can't go low. Now you're in the middle too slow. Then Sam Schwartzstein, who does the prime vision for Amazon prime does the analytics. If you do the alternate Thursday night feed where you can kind of see uh, that was a guy on uh, PMT a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. He was on part of my take a couple weeks ago. Good dude. He blocked for Andrew luck, Andrew luck at Stanford. He was an offensive lineman. Uh, His claim to fame. He was, he was the highest rated offensive lineman in one of the NCAA football games at one point. Shout out Uh, to Greg Roman. Exactly. Greg, he, Greg Roman was his coach. So, that was actually the first thing he asked. Can he call me? He wanted to get some thoughts on the Ravens team, things he would like to highlight for the Prime Vision broadcast when he was t- doing their analytic spiels they go into on that. And the first thing he asked me to sidebar into the hip drop was, why did Ravens fans hate Greg Roman so much and why do they love Todd Munkin so much? I feel like I'm watching the same thing plus some screens. And was like, probably. I mean, we got into a whole conversation. I was like, eh, it's, you know, there's certain things, play sequencing, getting the line a little quicker, whatever. There's a, a little quicker. Tweets. Yeah. A little quicker and a little more consistently. Quicker. It's a little more operational than it is scheme. It's a little different operationally. That, that's a whole conversation. But so he was also the, I don't know the right word. I would have to look it up on his Twitter. Probably. I think he was the head of rules for the XFL at one point. And he has a couple big things, kickoffs. He has this huge successful thing that they rolled out that reduced injuries. The hip drop tackle, he kind of schooled me on. And he said that it is something that is new in the last 10 years, to which I responded was like, okay, well, it's new as a result. I would guess it's a result of a lot of the newer rules about tackling have maybe resulted in that. But he was like, yeah, sure. But it's something that's new. It's not, it hasn't always been part of the game. It's effectively a horse collar. It does have a high rate of injury. The NFL has been tracking it for at least five years because of it. And he said rugby banned it. He said rugby had to ban it. So there's precedent in that and all of those things. And when when he said that it's new in the last 10 years, I kind of like did the Zach Galifianakis hangover idiot savant and was just like, wow, it is new, isn't it? I couldn't really recall that being previous. Then I saw another video shared where this is the thing. Like Ray Lewis used to sling guys. And he would hip drop a, he would hip drop his own weight while keeping their body weight away from his kind of. It like feels a, to me a little bit like a reaction to the way that the sport has spread out a little bit more, where like you've just got to be able to move quicker, and like you've got you just have to learn how to arm tackle a little bit. Like it, it's just got to be a part of it. But you can continue. Well, you're, you're always supposed to tackle with your arms. I mean, that's always supposed to be a part of it. And I do think that it probably will lead to controversial calls and things like that. But it does have a higher rate of injury. I do hate adding things to the game. Um, 
it is effectively in the way he broke down. He's like, it, it's a, it, it is a horse collar. The, the hip drop is only the quote unquote hip drop. If it's onto someone's legs, if you are doing the same thing you do by a horse collar, basically taking their legs out at the same time, which leads all the, the blown knees and stuff like that. So um, it's tough. And I'm sure, you know, Ravens fans like, Oh, Bennett, Logan Wilson, this look, I don't, it, it's, it's currently legal. So it's not a dirty thing to do, but has a high rate of injury, so it, it's tough. I hate adding rules to the sport in any way. I'm a hardcore football libertarian, I would guess, is the best way to put it in terms of adding more. I don't know. It feels like it's going to be inevitable. They're going to do it. I don't know. It's the next high rate of injury. I And I honestly don't know how – like we saw – we see it happen in the pocket, and no one flips out about it, like – Defenders kind of drop their weight so that the quarterback can't get out. I, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be tough, but some of them in the open field and things, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. He made me feel kind of dumb because I was like, oh, yeah, it's true. It is very new. But I, I just feel like it's already over. The The name for it being the hip drop is so catchy and kitschy. And and when you get hip like in context with like injury, like that is, that's just a buzzword that's going to like, you know, it, it's a little... It's tough. I mean, it's tough. At the same time, it's like, how are you expected to take out Olympic level athletes that don't want to go down? If you're, yeah, if you have an angle to a certain point where Mark Andrews is running full steam ahead and you're a little bit behind or you're a little bit behind on your angle, angle, like that's probably how I would have tackled him if I were Logan Wilson. Like it's a, it's like a wrestling move. It's using your weight and your leverage to, to, you know, make sure that you can get somebody down. That's a, when you get somebody from behind in wrestling, you kind of drop your weight so that you're the lower man and you maintain that leverage. So for all the listen, for all the whining that happened after Roquan Smith's performance in Cincinnati last year, that just put a bad taste in my mouth with Bengals fans. I don't want to go down that road. You know, we, we let's let's take the high road here. Let's be better. It and it's not dirty because it's not illegal to do. There's yeah. no rule about it. You know, there's no penalty. It just happens. And um, some people are taking e- exception to him with Lamar. He, I don't, I don't know. And to me, it didn't really look like he twisted his ankle or anything. And that one was maybe a little bit less extreme of an example. And he did, I mean, he just rocked OBJ. It was an awesome play by him. He chased him down from like 40 yards from behind and just freaking rocked him. It was a high hit, but not a high hit that was should have been penalized. So um, when I was going back and watching tape, I mean, he made a bunch of plays, man. He, he was taking on linemen. He, I thought he played a, a pretty solid game. So yeah, whatever. No, no Ravens said anything about it either. And I think that Ravens would be quick to defend their guys, especially a Mark Andrews or a Lamar. I think they would be quick to, if there was any feeling of disdain of that being dirty, defend that. And none of them have said a word about it. Let me tell you, Bengals fans are about to have a chip on their shoulders starting to develop as their season starts to circle the drain here. The Gilbert comeback season, all that shit, it's it's coming. So I don't want to give them any ammunition here. Whatever. That's what we uh, that's what we kind of said though. I mean, now that so to I, I guess to go a little broader in the context, it's it's Thanksgiving, and that's usually the proverbial it's you when know the season what's going starts. on in the NFL. Yeah. So five and five for the Bengals. The Browns go and beat the Steelers to move to seven and three and a half game back. The Steelers fall to six and four. And that's what we said earlier. It was like the Bengals started out so poorly. They've done that so many times, but they had divisional losses as a part of that. And it's harder to go win a division, to go win, make the playoffs when you have conference and divisional losses. They're double whammy when you lose like that. So, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow injury aside, they were not in a great spot, and I just thought it was interesting that they felt so confident and 
maintain that air of confidence despite what their record was, their record in the division, things like that. So tough scene for Cincinnati. You you hate to see Joe Burrow go down. I like good football. I like seeing teams at their best, but unfortunately, it's a 100% injury sport, and Joe Burrow goes down. He's going to miss a significant portion of time for the second time in what? Is this his fifth year? Um, is this fourth year? 20, 21, 22. It's his fourth year. Yeah, fourth year. So two out of four seasons, he's going to miss for the most part. I mean, he played in a good bit of these games. Just a weird year. He had the whole thing in training camp. Jamar Chase and I, football karma, football gods, whatever. I think Jamar Chase said it best. Like, I don't think Burrow should have started the season if he had any kind of injury. Not that the wrist is related to a leg, but I don't know. Just didn't ever help them to have him pushing and stretching and pushing it to the limit. And I think you know, maybe that's a little bit of Football yeah, their their mistake. The right yeah, their mistake was rolling with Jake Browning as a backup to begin with, and then that kind of puts him behind the eight ball when you're going through training camp, and you have to say, okay, well, we pretty much have to start Joe. Like we're fucked if he like if you know he if if he misses any time, and you know eventually it does kind of come to bite you back bite you in the uh, the rear end there. Um, and yeah, like the injuries. I mean, hey, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Uh, what was the backup? Phil Sims backup for the, the Jeff Giants? Hostetler. Yeah, but backups have won Super Bowls. So then there's also the Derek Carr Raiders that have who, who's, who's the backup Matt McGloin maybe oh yeah he started that playoff game in Houston yeah Brock Osweiler so backup yeah. quarterback man it's important and on the other on the other foot Tyler Huntley Pro Bowl quarterback I know that was uh, Connor uh, Cook yeah shot at Michigan State legend Connor, Connor Cook, Cook yeah. that's who it was yes <laughs> Matt McGloin was the backup at another point but Huntley um is a nice backup it's where you feel good about I'm shocked that Jacoby Brissett wasn't traded somewhere what what is going on with it he's on the commanders they oh. trade chase young and montez sweat no, did i it's hard to say that they had offers because you can't I, I never heard anything about it. it was shocking that the steelers the i don't know browns the who else has missed out kirk cousins like they go get dobbs whatever so many teams need a quarterback. The Giants, maybe. I don't know. Just very I mean, surprising. He's the Br the Browns. That's that's a big miss. I know Desha they were waiting for Deshaun to come back, and now it's bad timing. They know, with they know Jacoby. How do they not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like he won games for them. Like that's that's a look good. Big, big he was miss. good. He was a solid starter for them. Yeah, he's solid. I mean, he reminds me of Foles a little bit in the way that he plays. Actually, so it could have been an interesting comparison. But yeah, I mean, good on the Vikings for making that move. I mean, they might not make the playoffs, but they could, and they're they're looking pretty fun right now with uh, the pasture not there. So good on them. Yeah, that was a super fun game last night, too. It was, was really nice to be able to see that full schedule. We'll get to have that happen again in two weeks when the Ravens have a bye. So a couple nice football Sundays that we'll have as people that cover the Ravens and obviously as Ravens fans. So those were all interesting, very interesting. Uh, I guess to maybe transition Ravens-centric is the big, the big question I would say on the Ravens right now is what happens when Mark Andrews goes down and misses time. We do have John Harbaugh insinuating that Andrew's injury was not as bad as they first expected that it was a cleaner, I guess, fracture would be my, I'm, I'm assumption making an assumption there. He said it was cleaner than they originally thought. Yeah. He fractured his think. fibula, right? I believe it was a fractured fibula. He's going to have to have a tightrope procedure from what I read, which is what Tony Pollard had. Right. So Andrews goes down. What happens? And this is actually interesting because this is what I was talking about with Sam Schwartzstein on the phone. This past week, too, is that I know the Ravens value tight ends because they view it as a market inefficiency, especially in contract size and then draft like hit and success rate. 
they think that later round players have a higher hit rate at tight end than they do at receiver. So what do they do? They draft Charlie Kohler. They draft Isaiah Likely. They've got Vokalek that they were talking about today as well, someone that got a lot of buzz through the preseason. And no, none of those guys are Mark Andrews. But when Mark Andrews went down last year, Isaiah Likely balled the hell out. He had huge games against the Saints and the Bucks, and there was another one, I believe. And I think he had like a hit a hundred yard game, a seventy yard game, scored a couple of touchdowns. So Isaiah Likely is a capable guy. We haven't seen him flash the way we fully want to, but I also feel like in the last month or so, we've started to see the football find its way to him, and he's making guys miss and tough to bring down and doing those things. Um, Kohler. Kohler to me should have gone on the Nick Boyle PED train and missed a few games and gotten a lot bigger and turned into a little bit more man. Just call it a PED reg shirt. Just say, hey man, we're just going to shoot you up with this stuff and you're going to get caught and uh, that's okay. You know, just do it and then that'll be your, your reg shirt year. I mean, something. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, people might rip me for that, but hey, I think that would have helped him a lot. And bigger guy, soft hands, can run the seam a little bit. I just need to see these guys. I think that, there might be some ancillary benefits. Uh, uh, benefits isn't the right word. So I, I think that, I, I had some thoughts on this. That Buccaneer game. I think game. that it will foster growth in other areas from the quarterback to the wide receiver group. It's just by, what I was, yeah, it's just what I was going to say. Is there a little bit of a Ewing theory here? Because it felt like we got that in that Buccaneers game where he goes down. They were kind of spamming him a little bit. He goes down. Then all of a sudden, they start to spread it out. They go a little bit more east-west. They make some stuff happen with Duvernay when the jet sweeps. Like, are, are we getting a little bit more of that? I think there can be some, I don't know the right word, some sway in the other direction. And I think it's going to increase the target share for guys like Bateman and Flowers. And, of course, Odell Beckham, Nelson Aguilar, the, everybody. Everybody's going to feed a little bit more. Mark Andrews is a massive target share. And not only... Is it a massive target share? But it's a massive target share in the red zone. It's a massive target share on third down. And I don't know. I just think it can have some positive impacts when Mark Andrews isn't on the field. I think you're a little bit less predictable in your pass game in some ways. And Mark Andrews is is Lamar Jackson's binky. He's his, he's his little blankie. He's a safety blankie. They've been playing together for so long. And, and hey, it does suck having that guy go down. You know, Mahomes doesn't want Kelsey to go down. And I wouldn't say Jackson and Andrews are too far off from that. Um, but to me, the blocking game, Mark Andrews is a freaking good, consistent blocker. And you can trust him to get the job done that needs to be done, something he's grown so much at. And I think when you go look at Josh Oliver, who became a more hefty man, in Baltimore, moved bodies, turned into like a he went from like a fast basketball style, you know, running the seam, ran a four six into like a WWE tight end that was let's go foaming at the mouth after driving bodies into the earth. That's what I want to see from a likely and from a Kohler. That's where you can make money with the direction the NFL's headed, with the cyclical nature of the game, with two tight end sets becoming more and more prevalent. Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler have a massive opportunity to get in there, block their asses off, stay on the sleds, ask Pat Ricard, be around Joe D, be around all those guys, and go block their arses off and make money, man. That's that you have to be able to block to get on the field as a tight end. You have to. You have to be able to, if you want to be a three down back, you got to be able to pick up and pass pro. If you want to be a three-down tight end, you got to be able to get in line on first and second down or in short yardage and go move bodies. 
So go do it. You have a bye week coming up. You have a long week this week. You're going to go play a Rams team that doesn't really have a lot of talent aside from a couple marquee players. A lot of opportunity for those guys. The Chargers defense stinks. Stinks. So go gain some confidence. Go be confident. Rip a shot before the game. Rip a little Jaeger or something like a Jonathan Papelbon was talking about and go move some bodies. Um, I think this is their time to shine. And the Ravens having an insurance policy of two really productive college tight ends that got that year behind Mark Andrews have been alongside Pat Ricard. It sucks. Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler have a chance to go do damage and make it be a minimal drop-off in a lot of areas. You know, knowing Papelbon, I'm surprised he wasn't like railing Adderall. You know, that's him to him, you know. I think that's pretty much what he said he was doing. I can't remember what show he was on, but he said he would do uppers and rip two to three shots of Jaeger. And he compared it to when you play a round of golf, you want to get into a flow state after a couple of beers. But if you keep drinking too much on the 18th hole, you're trashed and you can't hit your irons. Which shows there, right? Yeah, I mean, one beer per nine and a couple of zins mixed in there. That's that's my, or a cigarette yeah. or two. That you know, not to get too deep into my X's and O's process here, but that's kind of how I I handle it out there. If you want to get into the flow state, you need one to three beers. I've I've often said that uh, two beers is the uh, it, it can cure pretty much anything. It's true, very true. Along so with my other Mark theory Andrews that goes uh, down the sea that has medicinal properties, but continue. It does have some medicinal properties. One whiskey, one barbiturate. So Still doing that? goes down. The, the Ravens should get Marlon Humphrey back. They should get Ronnie Stanley back. They might get David Ajabo back at some point. I don't know. There's not really a spot. I don't feel like there's not a spot for Ajabo until someone else goes down. Yeah, you've got Tyus Bowser kind of weirdly still lingering. What's going on there? We don't really know. I was, might, have, might have to text Glenn about that at some point. Um Maybe maybe work, know, work the phone. That, a that's bit. that's just a silently, preposterously weird situation. So now you're looking down this stretch. The Ravens have the third highest rushing DVOA in NFL history through eleven games. They are quietly beating the crap out of teams. I guess the, really a side. The Browns had a nice day against the Ravens' run game. I'd say in that win, the Browns had that 33-31 game, whatever it was. And I don't know. Like Lamar Jackson, I think could have like 900 rushing yards right now, but he just is now a quarter billion dollar man. So he falls down, which is what people wanted him to do. He's doing the opposite of what people have wanted Josh Allen to do. He is going down. He is sliding. We saw him take a very awkward slide in this game, but if he wasn't doing that and just happened to still be pushing like he was in 2020, 2019, I think he's averaging like nine yards a carry. Yeah, um, no, it does. It feels a little more restrained in a lot of ways. It, feel, it just feels a little more cave. I like I like that they're doing it. My, my point of saying this is just that that's their DVOA. That's how efficient they are. And they could be murdering teams if, if Lamar was really pushing to try to do that still, I feel like. Yeah, no. And I think that's, I think you're right on that it's a good thing. And we talked about how more measured they look and more just kind of it's more put together. It's just like they, they just have their shit together on offense. Like we mentioned, they're getting to the line. It's, you know, a lot less procedural penalties, a lot less bullshit. It's just a lot more calm. Mars checking at the line a lot. You're seeing yeah. a lot of pre-snap checks, calls, all kinds of stuff. And I think we and actually they also had three home games in a row where it's quiet to kind of really sort that stuff out. And then they'll, they, I mean, they play the chart. The chargers is not a road game. 
Yeah, and it's um, I thought it was a road it's game. It's not in Baltimore, but it won't be loud. Yeah, I okay, I see what you're doing there. Well, you got the one fan, uh, the the uh, delightful Bolt lady. Man. Yeah, well, you got Bolt fan, you got Boltman and the uh, lady who is maybe also a Vikings fan. I don't really know what's going on there, but yeah, um, yeah, that's you know, obviously we'll get into that in the preview, but uh, yeah, that's gonna be gonna be an interesting one. The Chargers teetering a little bit. That Brandon Staley press conference, I watched pretty much the whole thing. That was uh, I I actually quite like Brandon Staley. I think he's, you know, been put in a bit of a tough, tough situation. Obviously hasn't been great, but man, he kind of lost his cool there in a way that we haven't seen uh, at all, which was uh, kind of the reason I, I really liked him. He, he felt like a measured guy in a tough situation there with Dean Spanos and all the bullshit that the Chargers consistently seem to be going through. But uh, yeah, that, that he seems not long for this league as a head coach. Fully agree there. He might be one where we look back and say, how the hell did he end up as a, an NFL head coach? Um, at one point. And hey, it doesn't mean his career is over. Just you see a lot of guys, see a Todd Bowles, see a uh, Dan Quinn, guys that had some ups, had some downs, end up being a better coordinator. And there's nothing wrong with that. He could come back Gotta and join really us. Smart in the, guy uh, to be an NFL coordinator. He could come back and join us in the blogging ranks. Oh, yeah, he could get back in there. That'd be a little bit tougher, though. That'd was be he, tougher. he was with, uh, was he PFF? I feel like they, I mean, Slowick was doing that too. There have been a couple of these guys. I think I can't remember where Staley was. He was I don't think it was PFF. He was somewhere. He was I think it was with like Sean Clement, wherever he was at the time. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So at this point in the season, I mean, eight and three, man. The Ravens sitting atop the atop the AFC. They're right. I mean, if the Chiefs win tonight, whatever, they're they're still atop. They're right there with the Chiefs, neck and neck, one way or the other. And a key stretch of games here where all six teams remain, or excuse me. Following the Chargers, the next, what is that, six games all would be in the playoffs. So the playoffs started today. That does include the Steelers, who are just a joke of a team, in my opinion. And, man, that 49ers game on Christmas is going to be a banger. Christmas night, too, yeah. that's going to be a banger. I wish yeah. I was going to that. Yeah, it's gonna be sick. That's uh, that's in Santa Clara, right? Not here. So, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be a fun one. Not only one primetime game here. I was uh, you know, surprised by that. It's a little unfortunate. I, I didn't get to go to the one, but uh, man, going to the primetime games and then coming back home and having to having to record after those can be a little bit of a tough scene at times. So yeah, man, we'll uh, we'll have those to break down uh, from the comfort of our own homes, which is nice. But yeah, man, this is kind of like the uh, nut cutting time, as we like to say. You. Uh, you get the the backloaded schedule. It's going to be tough against some of these teams. I think Dolphins is going to be uh, there's going to be some thousand yard stare PTSD from the 2022 game with uh, this fan base certainly and um, Steelers man that uh, you, you really hate to see the the chickens coming home to roost on that one a little bit. That's tough. Unbelievable, just unbelievable outliers that the Steelers can be at times and then their expectations and then the, what the national media starts to pick up on them and Kenny te, Kenny Pickett has the it factor while his stats aren't pretty it's like tough year for the it factor tough year for the it factor such a mega tough year for the it factor so this Ravens team man I mean I don't know I'm curious I can't wait this game's going to kick off here the Chiefs Eagles and I can't wait to thoroughly watch every single snap of this game and try and gauge the Ravens against that, against those two teams that are the class of the NFL that did play in the Super Bowl that likely, I would heavily think, are both in their conference championships, if not Super Bowl, again this year. So um, can't wait to watch that one. Can't wait to watch some of these other games coming up on this schedule. 
the Detroit Lions are eight and two now. That looks like an insane win for the Ravens. Made Dan Campbell cry, and then now he's in the locker room screaming bloody murder after they barely beat the Bears. Yeah, I think Dan uh, Campbell is crying right now. I don't think it takes too much. Either happy tears or you know sad tears, just, you know love of football tears. I think rage, rage tears even. That's like you, that you know that you walk out into uh, just oil rich land and you just stick a pickaxe in the ground and it just starts flying out. That's that's Dan Campbell getting him to cry. It's it doesn't take a whole lot. Most certainly. And at this point, you think about the Ravens scheme. I mean, Mike McDonald, the toughest anyone's played Mike McDonald in a while is that Deshaun Watson and Jerome Ford kind of broke some tackles and sacks and David Njoku. Like the, the, the science is sound. One thing I wanted to ask you about that game. Um, I mentioned the calmness and the measuredness that kind of went away for that fourth quarter. Does that have you a little concerned, especially with Andrews going out? Do you, do you think that the whole hair on fire thing has a chance to rear its head here in the next couple of weeks? I think that the Ravens panicked because Morgan Moses was out and Ronnie Stanley was out and suddenly you have Falele and McCary. And hey, McCary's a fine player. When have we seen Lamar Jackson not look good? When his guys are missing on his offensive line. I don't think he trusted those guys. I don't think they were calling plays that trusted those guys at all, which is probably the right decision. Eyes were dropping. They were not prepared for that scenario. Miles Garrett, that was a little bit of a play not to lose situation for sure and hoping to get a stop. Um, they were close on a couple plays, but just couldn't run the ball. And Brown's defense is fucking insane. Miles Garrett is insane right now, what he's doing. And the Browns were dialing up some pressures. Jim Schwartz was dialing up some pressures and things. Couldn't run the ball. They were basically saying, we will happily let you take a three, five-step drop, like a five-step drop back and beat us over top. They were loading the box. They were fitting gaps with no hesitation. They were saying, please throw the ball over our heads against press. Beat our guys downfield, please, and you will win. And I don't think Lamar trusted his backup offensive linemen to do that. And I don't think that that's crazy. I don't think it's crazy of me to say that. And I don't think it's crazy for Lamar to feel that way. Not that I'm reading his mind, but if you can hit him and his guys are out, he kind of rattles. And that's most every quarterback that exists. How do you beat good? How do you hit Tom Brady? Or how do you beat Tom Brady? You hit him. How do you beat Peyton Manning? You hit him. That was always the, the saying, hit the quarterback, move him off the spot, make him feel nervous and you'll beat him. So uh, those things happen. And the, and the panic is a part of that. And I think there are other things too, but offensively, the Browns are just that good defensively, and I just don't think he trusted protection to hold up. Everything was him bailing and buying times, cutting the field in half, and then having to make a tough throw. Uh, they almost got it. There was a Nelson Aguilar. He booted and tried to throw, and Nelson Aguilar had a step right past the first down marker, couldn't get there. Um, so I think they was also tired. That's why I was impressed with this Bengals win very much so. They still haven't had their bye. They went to London. Then they went to Arizona. Then they went to Baltimore, and they played how many games in how many days? What was that, three games in technically like 11 days? Something like that. So that, that, that adds up. So now they get this long week. For them to be 8-3 and three into a long week into a bye, and for them to be playing a – Pretty freaking mediocre Chargers team with the one that's wedged in there, and then a pretty freaking mediocre Rams team on the other side of it. 
you can't ask yourself to be in better position, especially considering some of those games they dropped, the Colts, the Steelers. You know, the, I'll, I'll say that the Browns beat them. Yeah. The Browns took that game from them. The Ravens handed the game to their other two losses. So can't be in much better shape. Mark Andrews stinks as a loss, but somebody, everybody loses somebody. Joey Bosa, the Ravens won't see him. He just sprained his foot and will be put on IR. So I, I hear you definitely. And I'm curious, you know, it, it does have some tones of that 2019. Well, what happens when they're down big? I don't think they're going to get down big on anyone. I just don't. I think they're too efficient and their defense is too forces you to go the long way. That's why that 49ers game will be curious. Maybe the 49ers can put up a, a 14, 17 point lead. Maybe, maybe depending on who's healthy and who's not. So that's why that one's super interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. That will be interesting to see. And I mean, as far as like that whole conversation, like they've had games where they've been in shootouts and they've had to throw it and they've done well. That Bengals game in week two was one of them. Um, you, you can look at a couple others, even that Cardinals game a little bit. They were giving them a, a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a game there and they had to, they had to pass their way through that one, uh, to a certain extent. You had Lamar throwing the uh, off platform touchdown to Andrews there, which was awesome, uh, doing something off schedule with that. Um, so yeah, it's just like they're, they're much, much better set up to weather this injury than they would have been in years past. I made the point with Kevin, if this were to have happened at this time last year, and it kind of did to an extent. You're talking about Deshaun Jackson, Sammy Watkins, James Prochet, like Devin Duvernay, like, you know, and we D-Rob looked, was their, their number one guy. Marcus, yeah, like he was the number one guy. They, they didn't have a wide Devin receiver. Devin Duvernay was on IR yeah, at that point, too. Right, yeah, and they didn't have a wide receiver touchdown for however many weeks in a row. Then Demarcus Robinson obviously breaks it in that Falcons game, and it, it just felt like the, uh, felt like the uh, finding the oasis there out in the desert. But um, yeah, they're, they're just, they're, they're really well set up for it this year, and it's, Credit to DaCosta for the dart throw with Aguilar. Credit to him for opening up the credit card for ones for Odell Beckham. I mean, like, these guys are... Odell Beckham's coming on at the exact right time, and we pretty much called this, and he pretty much confirmed it in his media availability where he said, look, they came to me and they said, like, look, man, we need you down the stretch. Like, we're not going to put you back into this week two Bengals game. We can't have you getting hurt long term. Let's just ramp this thing up. Let's get you back into fighting shape, and it looks like he is rounding into that at the right time. And that is the biggest low-key PR against what people were saying and thinking and what that survey said and all of those things. That was Odell saying they kept me from myself and that's what you're always supposed to do as a training staff and that's your job as a coaching staff. Keep your guys healthy. They'll always want to play. You have to know when it's in their best interest or not. And so that's a very sneaky little... Shout out to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Shout out. We'll see. We'll the, see how that goes. He's not coming back in. He's not coming back in. I, I cannot wait until he does. I, I, if he I, does. I, it's, I, I, God, if that happens, that would be the greatest fucking thing. I need them to keep winning games because if that happens, that would be the greatest thing in the world. Like Aaron Rodgers, I have my thoughts on the guy. The guy's a fucking content machine. And like, if that, if you were to come back after on an Achilles less than three months or like three months, whatever, after it happened, that would be one of the most insane stories of all time. It would be great. It would definitely be great for the the content machine, most certainly. And just he's he's number two to Marlon, I would say, on your list of guys that you're interested and entertained by. And you 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 famously aren't necessarily an Aaron Rodgers fan, but you're very intrigued by him. 
I I was for a very long time. Like he was, I was kind of one of the early people in the, he's, you know, the most talented quarterback of all time. Not to give myself too much credit. I don't think that's like a super hot take at this point, but uh, yeah, I was. And then, uh, you know, I, you know, the family stuff comes out. He starts dipping into the psychedelics a little bit. Maybe the brain chemistry, uh, who knows what's going on there. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as it's good to have storylines, good to have villains sometimes. And he's one of those guys. He's kind of like the uh, NFL's Bryson a little bit to me. And golf is missing Bryson right now. I, I agree with that. I like that. I like that comparison a little bit. He's the, the anti-hero in many ways. So with that, I mean, I guess we can kind of rattle off. We forgot about some seggies. We just had a nice little catch up. We haven't, we haven't done this. And you and I tried to do, I think you and I, especially over the last two, two ish years have really tried to save a lot of stuff for the pot. Big time. You want to do a quick ad read before then? Yeah, let's do a quick ad read. Okay. We got uh, black eyed Susan spices up on deck. Uh, you already know you can order their award-winning hot sauces and dry rub at blackeyedspices.com and get 10% off using code EXIT52. But up until now, you can only get their stuff in person at the seasoned Olive and Fells Point and the Wide Source in Hamden. They're still there, but uh, they're available uh, elsewhere as well now at uh, your Ace Hardware locations in Alexandria, Virginia. Logan Ace, Tenleytown Ace, Fragers Ace, and Petworth Ace for our DC people. Uh, Old Tacoma Ace and Silver Spring Hardware in the Burbs of DC. And last but not least, for all of Baltimore, Baltimore people, they are available at the Canton Ace, Waverly Ace, and Fed Hill uh, Ace Hardware on Light Street right here in Baltimore. So there is that's, no- where I, that's where I got my drill so that I could mount my sign. Oh, there you go. You spendy tools. I, I like to hear that. I've been, you know, getting into my uh, my tool journey a little bit as well, which uh, I feel like I need to I need to follow up with Brian on that. He's the he's the real the real kind of a uh, hardware man uh, in this group. But uh, yeah, there is no longer an excuse for boring food. Get some award-winning Black Eyed Susan in your life from Black Eyed Susan Spice Company in any way you can. So you can do that on their website with the promo code EXIT52 for 10% off, or you could support local businesses by buying in person at those Ace Hardware locations. So uh, get them all they're hot. And they're always hot, so you can always get them. Love it. With that, we can hop on in to the Smooth AF, Smooth Play of the Week presented by smoothafproducts.com. Check out their line of our shaving, grooming, and cleansing products like their lavender CBD shaving lotion and awesome, awesome stocking stuffer, especially because it's a little wonky with the name and it has an F asterisk CK on it. So it's very spenny. Crazy Kinda... uncle that you have or whatever you have, go ahead and uh, go ahead and get them a little, little, little beard oil, beard lotion, shaving cream, shaving lotion. And it's nice and it feels good and it's good for your skin and conditions you and all that good stuff. So I know you didn't get a ton of time in this one to – you probably reviewed all the highlights and stuff, but I'll go ahead and start us out. The Smooth AF Smooth Play of the Week to me was one that was called back. And whether it should have been called back or not, up for debate. But regardless, seeing Zay Flowers jettison through splitting two defenders and take off on, I believe, a 75, 80-yard touchdown, somewhere right in that department – was just sick to see. And we've talked so many times on this podcast about guys not being able to generate explosive plays after the catch, the lack of yak. An interesting conversation Sam Schwartzstein and I got into was, he said, do the Ravens get the ball to receivers on the move very often? Because it seems like a lot of times they're stationary, they're they're, uh, static. And I was like, yeah, it's a lot of hitches, it's a lot of turnaround, it's a lot of coming back to the ball. And I think that does maybe have some things to do with quarterback, whatever, but at the end of the day, they got the football in Zay Flowers' hands, and he was able to go do something after the catch. And even smoother was just Keaton Mitchell 
just casually, almost like Tyreek Hill used to do, running up by his teammates just to show how fast he was. But ends up playing a super useful block. Keaton Mitchell just flew right up the sideline. I mean, that was, he was able to go wedged. He he pointed traffic, directed traffic, said, "You go here, I'll block for you." And he did it, which helped get him into the end zone. So to me, that was smooth AF. Shout out to our guy TC with the uh, the fighter pilot. Um, little graphic that he made there that was that was you know rooster and hangman you know going one by one i'm good rooster i'm very good so yeah that was uh that certainly had to be right at the top there and what a disgrace by these referees let's let's keep it in our pants here what do we do i know they had the ball don't lie and that's fine but it, he like, had a handful of jersey but it wasn't a hold it wasn't a it didn't prevent the defender from being able to move it wasn't advantageous it was inside of his shoulders and he let right go as soon as the extension happened. He let go. It did. It wasn't prevent, uh, prohibitive of any movement, restrictive of any movement for the defenders. So that's why you're supposed to call holding. And it was just a total ref show in that game at many points. Yeah, it was. Uh, mine would have to be the. And you mentioned it. I actually I haven't even gotten a chance to watch the full game yet, but I, I was all over the highlights right away. And uh, I saw this highlight on Twitter. Uh, pretty much as it happened, I was probably like three cantaritos deep. Um, Lamar Jackson working his way to the left, Rashad Bateman, putting his foot on the ground, working his way back into the end zone. Lamar just making a sick throw kind of on the move. there, going left hard, really hard to make that throw. Like that's, it's difficult to tell, um, when you're sitting on your couch, just how difficult a throw like that is to make. So shout out to Rashad Bateman had a tough season thus far, but he's really come on the last couple of weeks getting in the end zone. You can tell his boys were hyped for him. He seems to really be fitting into this room nicely. Uh, after a tough off season, um, where it just felt like the fit was maybe a little bit weird. What's going on with the locker room fit and all that kind of stuff. It just seems like he's assimilating at the exact right time. A lot of, a lot of kind of parallels with Odo Beckham, two guys at different points in their career, uh, paralleling each other and uh, feeding off each other. So that's mine. Very much so. And just the kind of persona that they have as well. And I feel like the fact that, and we told Jack told us, he's like, Odell is not like an extroverted person in the way that he speaks and stuff, but he, is an extroverted like presence and things like that. And I feel like Rashad Bateman fits into that too. For the Johnny Crab Cake, let's go ahead and move on. We can get out of here, watch some Sunday night football. We do want to shout out and say, though, before we move on to the Johnny Crab Cake, that we will be having a mega fun happy hour. If you're listening to this, it will be at 8 p.m. on Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're having Thanksgiving. We're going to do a happy hour. We're going to have a little bit of trivia that I'm putting together, some holiday-themed trivia that I'm hoping will be fun. I think I'll do an okay job. I'm, I've am i got it all corralled. I'm excited I'm for to, this. This is your Jeff D. Lowe moment. Yes, yes, very much so. So we'll have some prizes. It'll be a live stream. You'll be able to catch it on the Exit 52 YouTube page. If you're listening, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page like everything that we have on there. That's the easiest way to support us. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure to sign up for it. We'll, we'll have something getting going in the next uh, couple hours if you're listening to this in all likelihood. So keep an eye out for that. There should be some graphics. Jake and I have tweeted it out. So with that, the Johnny Crab Cake of the week to me was none other than one formerly known as Jason Adafe Owe, who generated a season-high Pardon me, he actually had seven pressures twice this season. Seven pressures, had a sack, and just generally whooped Orlando Brown's ass all night. He put Orlando Brown through the ringer. His ability to transition between movement and reflex and understanding that hand fighting, we've talked about it and talked about it. It's there, it's good, it's strong. John Harbaugh today made a comment saying that 
Uh, he's just scratching the surface of what he can do as a pass rusher, and I buy into that a thousand percent. And hey, guess what? Me buying into something John Harbaugh says. Who would have thought? I, I never do that. But Adafe Owe whooped Orlando Brown. The spins are there. The rips are there. The chops are there. And he also has his eyes up and he sees where the quarterback is and he understands depth. And he's starting to get an understanding, I think, of situations dictating quarterback dropbacks, drop depth, where the quarterback is going to be. Uh, on the first play of the game, he cleanly beat Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown reached, grabbed his collar, and yanked him back, which turned Adafi Owe and wasn't able to go sack Joe Burrow, then hunted Joe Burrow down and made a play. So uh, he played like a real Johnny cake and uh, a Johnny crab cake. I actually just watched that episode of The Sopranos the other night. I've been spitting through my, my I guess, now annual wintertime Sopranos. I got to get I got to get on that. I Yeah, I haven't watched it again yet this year. I'm, I'm now enjoying just leaving it on but not going back and keeping track of the episodes i'm just like skip basically like it's just ambient watch noise two already. fall asleep skip three watch two fall asleep skip three watch two something like that so that's been fun but uh yeah adafi owe was a, a big bad man who beat up on the uh the giant rabbit's foot carrying former baltimore raven orlando brown and that was sick to see especially considering the poetic justice of him wanting out the ravens trading him getting the Kansas City Chiefs pick and drafting Adafi away and then seeing him go whoop up on the Bengals in that important divisional game. Absolutely. Um, mine is a little bit more off the field. It's a little more philosophical. It's a little, uh, you know, it's a little, you know, not to crowbar another Sopranos reference in here, but I'm getting some Phil Leotardo vibes from this defense right now. These guys are, these guys are in fuck you mode a little bit. And you've got a, a certain Mr. Jermaine Pratt who seems to just love talking on Twitter. I don't know what's going on with that, but, you know, he's, he's a good player. He's a good player in his own right. I think he forced the fumble on Huntley last year in the playoffs. So good on you for that, Jermaine Pratt. But a he's, lot a, he's, of, a good, he's a good player, yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of talking on Twitter. Uh, says something to the effect of um, the only reason Lamar looked good in that game is because Joe Burrow went out, which maybe a little bit of a suspect line of logic there. We can maybe double click on that and come up with some, uh, some logistical reasons why that doesn't make sense. But uh, you've got Roquan Smith going on the vault. Shout out to our guy, big shot, Bob and uh, Sarah Ellison uh, saying, we could have said that last year when Lamar wasn't out there. It's about, are you in the excuse making business or are you in the result making business? And I'm more so in the result making business. Sounds like an excuse for me. I guess that makes him feel better. You've got Patrick queen clapping back on Twitter a little bit. These guys are just in Phil Leotardo, just uh, Richie April mode. They're they're just not taking shit from anyone. They're here to uh you know they're here to set up a crew, a small crew, and uh, you know just start becoming real earners. It feels like so uh, that's that's my Johnny Crab Cake of the week. It's just the general the general vibe around this defense, specifically Jermaine to uh, funny enough Jermaine Pratt's comments. I would liken that Roquan Smith line to Phil Leotardo saying. My estimation of John Sacramone as a man just plummeted. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and listen, Johnny Sack, another great character too. Can't we, can't, we just got to start a Sopranos podcast at some point. Got to get, got to get into that lifestyle it's, side it's, of things. It truly, it truly gets better every. It's unbelievable how much better it gets. It's kind. You think that it's such a complex show from things that you hear. So the first time you watch it, you just kind of don't take it at surface level and understand how funny it is. And like you try to like keep track of too much instead of just letting it soak in. 
And that's what stands out the more I rewatch it, just how funny and simple it is. And there's all these complex things and theories. It's different It's different phases details. of your life. Like when you first watch it, I first watched it when I was like 18 or 19. It's like, oh, sick. This is like mafia and like hits and all that stuff. And then you get a little bit older. You get to like the family dynamics and like that starts to connect with you a little bit more. And like some of the mental health stuff, like it's all, it's very, very layered. And the, whenever you come back to it, if you've given it a couple of years, it's always like, oh, you, you pick up on something new. 100%, 100%. So those were our Johnny Crab Cakes of the week. And what about does it? We usually do mega culpa, but I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we predicted a win when we did the preview of the, the Bengals game. And my mega culpa is trusting United airlines. There you go. Never do that. Never, never, never do that. Not very United of you United. Yeah. My, my estimation of United airlines as an airline just plummeted. Well, there we go. So with that, guess we can get on out of here. We got some Monday night football to watch and we got a doozy. So, Coming up on that tight hour. Glad to get back on the on the horse with you. Feels good. We can hit our stride. Got some bye weeks coming up. I'm hoping to have Brad Spielberger from PFF come on to talk some some upcoming free agents. Justin Matabike, Pat Queen, things like that. I've reached out to him. So hopefully we can have him on. He already agreed. So think think he should be coming on at some point in that bye week. But we'll have a game preview. Like I said, we also have Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this, Tuesday, November 21st. Join us, 8 p.m. Eastern. Absolutely. Happy hour. Gonna be a good time. Trivia, prizes, all that good stuff. Cool. That all we got? Yep. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening uh, on this Tuesday, coming out a little bit early here so we could get it your way as uh, I'm out on PTO on Wednesday getting ready to enjoy some of this uh, holiday goodness, Thanksgiving, things of that nature. We'll obviously talk to you again tomorrow night. Like he said, on the YouTube page, go subscribe to it, throw us a like, throw us a comment uh, on each and every video. Help that algorithm out, get the things churning, get that engagement going. We appreciate it very much. You can follow us on social media as well at Exit52Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens 4 Dummies. That is the number four in the middle. Brian at Barstool Banks. Taylor at TaylorSmith10. Eric at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. Thank you guys again very much, and we will talk to you again tonight. See you. Arrivederci. and they execute the system and that's what it's all about. Oh, God. Yes, there sir. Trust. He's pretty, he's pretty, big trust. Big trust. Big trust. Big trust hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me